and welcome to the first episode of Think Twice. Let me introduce myself. My name is Nicholas Krishi. My biggest magic successes are getting 25th at Pro Amsterdam and the creation of Elf Ball and Extend. Most people probably know me better as Key Sam from Magic League. Let me tell you about this podcast. The idea of this podcast is to pick one strategic topic and talk about it for a pretty short time. I'm looking about 5 to 10 minutes. So the goal basically is to um, let you think about magic, maybe about things you didn't thought before. Before we jump into the first topic, I want to excuse my accent and maybe some bad Eng English. I'm from Germany, so it's not my mother tongue. I hope it doesn't bother you too much. So let's get to it. The first topic I want to talk about is the value of one-offs. There are different kinds of one-offs, and the first one I want to talk about are the tutorable one-offs. This is other one-offs that most people probably pay, played already with and have the most experience with, so I will keep myself short. Okay, there are basically two different kinds of tutorable one-offs that you play. The first one is there for specific matchups or specific cards. Let's say you play Elf Ball from the, the Balloon version and you look at Viridian Enchantment. Viridian Enchantment was speci specifically there just to kill Chalice of the Void. This is basically the perfect example for tutable one-off against a specific card. The other kind of one-offs there are are one-offs that are really, pow really powerful but you don't want them in your opening hand or you just want them in certain situations. Once again, Berlin Proto-Elves had, had Regal Force. Regal Force is really, really powerful once you're having an endless amount of mana, or a huge amount of mana at least. But it's really, really bad in your opening hand if you just want a Nettle Sentinel, Hurtier Shoot, or some other one mana dog. And with this, I think I can close the section of Tutor Ronalds because it's pretty obvious. I could go on and talk about Tormod's Grip with Trinket Mage and stuff, but it's not really needed, I think. I think you all get the idea. The second kind of one offs are also played quite a bit, but not from that many people. Gabriel and Sieve plays them quite often. It's like playing Pithing Needle in a deck without tar a target, just to have an out against Planeswalker. Uh, these decks that play these are typically pretty draw-heavy. They have a bunch of stuff like Preordain and, I don't know, Jace or some other draw spell. Just to have a lot of drawing power, just to get to discards if you really need to, and have an out. That's basically all there is to these kinds of one-offs. Once again, I don't think I the need to really talk about those because most of you know already, I think. Now I think we're getting to the more interesting part. In this part I want to talk about a kind of one-off that I don't think many of you already played with, even if any, I don't know. I did it in Proto Paris and I was pretty happy with it. So these kind of one-offs you play just to fool your opponent to think you actually play these cards. I played blue-white control in Paris and I had one spell pierce. My reasoning behind it was that I thought, I actually really disliked, just disliked the spell pierce in the deck, but I felt it's really, really good to let the opponent think you have it because they will always play around it. Like playing a turn 3 Squadron Hawk with a blue up, and your opening, opponent will basically never cast Jace because he's afraid of spell pierce, and he asks himself, why would you play Squadron Hawk if you had like spell pierce and no ma uh, if you didn't have spell pierce and the mana leak, so you wouldn't tap out. That's basically the thing. So, in order to achieve that my opponent thought I will play Spell Pierce, I just played one. The reason is, 
if you play none, your opponent might catch you and say, okay, look at him. He never has spell pierce, basically, so it's I don't really need to play around it. I th I'm not even sure if he plays them. The usualists play them, but I don't, I'm not sure about if he does it. That's why I like the one. In some situations you will draw it late and it doesn't really do anything, but you can still play it then. Show your opponent that you have it, so he is under the assumption you play more and just didn't draw them. At this point you can even side the spell piece out and have none left. It's just living purely of bluff. I think it's a great way to um, gain an advantage of how your opponent is playing without even having the card in the deck. This of course only works if you play a deck that's fairly well known, the lists are pretty fleshed out and you are actually doing something different than the usual lists. Yeah, that's about this kind of one-offs I want to talk about. Now we talk about the last kind of one-offs. It's not really um, very well known, I think, but some people do know it. I even have an example of someone, I think, who did it on purpose. Maybe he didn't, I have no idea. Um, I heard about a guy, I forgot his name, who played Monogreen Eldrazi at Nationals in US, and he had a one-off fork. This, this one-off fork is, I think, the fourth and last kind of one-offs. The fork, you don't. Most people think you don't want fork at all in your deck, but I think in certain matchups, it's really powerful, especially if your opponent isn't playing around it. I mean, imagine a Boros deck swinging all in, and you play fork and then just swing back and kill them. That's basically, I think, the idea behind his one-off fork. So why one-off and not more? The card itself is pretty situational. But it's the power, when, it's, when you have it at the right time, is really, really high. So if you get it at the right spot, it will most certainly win you the game. Or it should win you the... These kind of cards should win you the game if you draw them in the right spot. And when they do that, most opponents, after losing to it, will actually start playing around this card. Which means you even gain more value in them after the first game. That's why you want the main deck and not in the sideboard. You want to draw them perfectly in the first game, blow your, blow your opponent out, and then side it out. At this point he's playing around a card you don't even have in your deck anymore. And he probably makes really poor decisions because of it. This kind of strategy is pretty well known in poker. You're basically trying to get your opponent to play differently than when he would see the cards in your hand. And you're achieving that by making him play around a card you don't even have in your deck, or even if you have them, um, only playing as a, as a one-off, it, it doesn't really matter all that much, because he shouldn't play around it. <coughs> That's the same point. Even if your opponent already knows you have it in your main deck as a one-off, and then starts playing around it, he actually makes a bad decision. Because the it's not that likely that you actually draw it, and if he plays around it, you will end up more often ahead than not. And if he doesn't know it, and you plays right into it, you might just win the game if you draw it at the right spot. It's basically impossible to play right against a one-off. It's really, really important to understand it. It's impossible, because no matter how you do it, I mean, the right way to play it is to just ignore the card, but if you actually draw it, it might blow him out. So it's really, really difficult to play um, against one-offs. Of course, if the card would be that great, you probably would play more than one. So there's not only upside, there's also downside. In the example of the fork, it doesn't do in all matchup all that much. So 
just having one is just fine. If you have more, uh, if you draw multiples, it actually becomes really, really bad, especially in matchups where you don't want it. That's why you don't. You should play just as a one-off and to get extra value out of it and to understand extra value and actually act accordingly. It's also really important to understand that. I mean, if you don't side the card out, you and your opponent is actually playing around and you draw it, you actually made your opponent play right in this kind of situation. You really have to side him out afterwards. Otherwise, it just doesn't make any sense to play like I just explained in the last two um, kinds of one-offs. Okay, I think that should do it for today. I mean, this podcast should be really short and just um, make you start thinking about stuff you hopefully didn't think before. Um, let me know what you think about one-offs, about the show in general, and everything. So, I hope I um, see you next time. Bye.